Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Saturday, 4 o'clock, CBS SEC title game, Georgia-Alabama. One of the absolute best in the business, my good friend Brad Nessler. Happy holidays. Steve, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Doing great. How about you? I'm great. I just got downtown about an hour and a half ago, so even though it's a home game, um, I'm on the road. So, <laughs> downtown Atlanta. <laughs> downtown Atlanta. All right. Uh, you and I have now have each had the experience of calling the multiple overtime game. Admittedly, mine went nine. Uh, huh. You ended up with four. What was it like when it got to the two-point conversion part to you? There's drama, but what was it like calling it? Yeah, well, you you know better than I do, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, you know, first of all, um, that might be—it's not the first overtime game I've done, but I think it's the first overtime that's gone into that area where you just do the the two point plays. And so, you know, sometimes you forget that there's not another play. You know, like uh, J.T. Finley throws into the end zone, and uh, McKinstry breaks it up in the back of the end zone, and I'm thinking, okay, they still got another down, and then I, I sort of forgot. Right. It's going right back the other way, you know, to the other team. And so between putting the graphic up every time we got to another overtime and then we just kind of slid the color of the graphic down from white to yellow to keep everybody abreast of how it works. And so I was I was sort of learning as we were going, you know, because I never got to that point before. So, uh, yeah, the drama got bigger, except I almost didn't realize it in the, uh, the second or third overtime that what was going on. And so you get down to the fourth one, and then you go, okay, I think I got this figured out now, just in time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, if, you know what it felt like to me in doing it? Was I felt like I was watching penalty kicks in the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. When we got done, yeah. you know, I had a lot of people that got a hold of me and said, you know, I don't like it. I do like it. I got mostly don't like it. But, you know, and then I had to explain to people, you know, why it came about, the seven overtime games that they had with LSU and A&M or whoever. And, you know, you end up playing almost an entire extra game. And, you know, to keep to keep the players, you know, from having to do that many extra plays and the possibility of getting hurt, I get it. But it's just, it seems like kind of a weird and cheap way <laughs> to win a ball game. Yeah. When you win it yeah. that way, you know, it's great. When you lose it that way, you go, there could have been something else that could have been done. You've obviously done a lot of Alabama SEC title games. So it's not as if Alabama hasn't had pressure going into this game before. And they've yeah. almost always responded. Is the pressure a little different this time because of the one loss to Texas A&M? Yeah, I think the fact that they're not used – I don't know if the players really realize underdog. They don't care, I don't think, you know, unless – you're a three-touchdown underdog or something, then you're going, well, you know, this is kind of embarrassing and we're getting shortchanged here. The Alabama players are too good and have been over the years that I don't know that it matters uh, to them. But I think they'll they'll feel a little more pressure because, you know, they had five games that were, um, you know, um, one-possession game or a one-touchdown game or less. Georgia had 10 of their 12 wins by 24 points or more. So, I mean, when you look at it that way, it used to be Alabama was doing what Georgia did this year and vice versa. Right. And so I, I think they feel that pressure. And I think the fact that they got down to, you know, the very nitty-gritty against Auburn and didn't play very well and the fact that their offensive line's not playing very well, they have to feel all that. But, um, you know, it's kind of hard to say is there pressure on Alabama. They win so many titles and they win so many games. 
they seem to find a way to win most of them. And, you know, for the people that don't know about the Texas A&M game, they had a touchdown lead the fourth quarter, you know, and they lost on the field goal at the buzzer. So uh, you take back you take back one possession of Texas A&M's and, and Alabama would be undefeated too. Just not right. as lopsided score-wise as Georgia's done. Right. Uh, you've seen Bryce, enough of Bryce Young now. How poised is this guy under pressure? He's really good, man. I, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, I thought, okay, highly touted, five-star kid. I get it. We got yeah. to see him a little bit last year. And he looked good. And then you watch the spring game, and, you know, that's just a glorified, it's not even a scrimmage, really. And, you know, he looked good in that. And I just kept telling people, just hold on, just hold on. We'll wait and see. And <laughs> he didn't take him long to show me, you know. <laughs> he goes down to Florida in the third week or whatever, and they get the pressure cooker situation in the crowd at the swamp. At the time, was still into the season. And, you know, they were going wild. And, and uh, he... He doesn't change much, you know. What you see is what he is. Um, really uh, pleasant kid to be around, and you know, having interviewed him and sat down with him, he's California cool, man, and it's just it's just ingrained in him. And I can see why because he's got all the tools, and you know, he he wants to be. He, he patterns his game after Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I guess from the football standpoint it is. But, you know, every coordinator we've talked to from the midway point of the season on is that Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, you know. So when you get compared like that and you're only a 20-year-old kid, uh, you know you're a pretty cool customer, and he really is. He doesn't seem to get rattled. And even last week, you know, when they're at the three-yard line and there's a minute left, they don't have any timeouts. And I think I said something to the effect of, you want a Heisman moment, here you got it, kid. And yeah. It didn't take him long. He still had 24 seconds to spare at the end when he got the touchdown. Amazing. Uh, so now that the Georgia defense, you've had the privilege of announcing a lot of games where you've seen a lot of terrific college defenses. What makes this Georgia defense really good in your eyes? I think the fact that they don't have, like, a Will Anderson guy like Alabama has. They don't have, like, one superstar guy but they play together so well, uh, Steve. They, you know, they just one guy makes a play, and then the other guy right next to him wants to make a play, and then they realize that if they just keep swarming to the ball, the plays will come. And they don't have, you know, I, I say their front seven. It's really their front fourteen. They've got interchangeable guys at defensive line and linebacker like you've never seen before, and it really doesn't matter who's in there. And we, you know. We'll ask either Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator, or ask Kirby Smart, you know, who's starting at this position. That They don't care. And, you know, half the time they won't tell us. And so we kind of quit worrying about it. We put up this, here's a bunch of guys you're going to see for Georgia's defense. We started yeah. started doing our lineups that way this year because there's so many interchangeable parts on everybody's team now, you know, four wide receivers and maybe three right. tight ends and da 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 So we actually don't do starting lineups anymore, and I'm glad we don't because in Georgia's defensive case, They've got so many guys that can play, especially the front seven, front 14, whatever you want to call them. And that's allowed them, you know, that's allowed their secondary to get better this year. That was the question mark really earlier in the season, how good was their secondary. But their front guys are so damn good that it's allowed over the course of 12 weeks those guys in the secondary to grow, get better, be more cohesive. And, you know, they, they really play together well. So, uh, I think not having a superstar, with the exception maybe Jordan Davis, everybody knows him because he's yeah. a mountain of a man, and at 360, yeah. he's kind of hard to miss. 
and Nicobe Dean, their middle linebacker, I think should win the Butkus. But other than that, they've got a whole bunch of guys that can play together really well. Yeah, Davis, the largest man I've ever seen directing the Georgia band. Uh, yeah. So I, I got I got to give him credit. I mean, that is one gigantic man, Stetson Bennett. Uh, he's interesting because he is the quarterback of the number one ranked undefeated team in the country, and I don't think a lot of people really know much about him. So when you have watched him, what has allowed him to be a contributor and not a detriment to what what Georgia does? Uh, the fact that he can move around and, and you make plays with his feet, which uh, JT Daniels can't do, or, you know, um, I suppose he can if he was pressured enough, but... Um, you know, some of the RPO things that Georgia does fits Stetson Bennett perfectly. He really has a, a good feel for uh, the long ball. I mean, he gets it downfield. Uh, I know everybody says JT Daniels is a, the NFL type of guy and the NFL type of arm and all that kind of stuff. But, man, if, if you really look at Stetson Bennett and if he would have started the other three games that he didn't start this year and if you just prorated his stats, I mean, right now he's got 2,000 yards passing and 21 touchdowns and five interceptions. You know, if you give him two to three touchdowns in, in three more games, he's looking at 30 touchdown passes and, you know, 3,000 yards, and that ain't bad for a college quarterback. That's right. Not Bryce Young not Bryce Young numbers, you know, and not uh, Kenny Pickett numbers and that kind of thing. But he's just – I think the coolest thing about it is a team really, really plays for him, and they rally around him. And I don't know if it's – because of his underdog stature and the fact that he's basically been at Georgia twice. He left, went to a junior college, came back, was still fourth string. I think the fact that he has worked his butt off to get where he is, I think the rest of the team appreciates that, and they really rally around him. Uh, finally, when, when uh, you look at Alabama, you obviously have a chance to talk to coordinators. What kind of job is Bill O'Brien former Penn State head coach, the job he's done with that offense? Because obviously Sark went to Texas and O'Brien's the guy that stepped in. Yeah, he, you know, he brought some of the stuff from the Texans uh, um, that I think we see a little bit of Deshaun Watson stuff in, in Bryce Young, and Bryce has told us that. And he said, you know, when, um, when Steve Sarkeesian moved on, uh, Bryce Young said, you know, when you come to Alabama, the one thing you know is that even if a coordinator leaves, or maybe your position coach leaves, that Coach Saban is going to bring in a guy that's just as good, if not better, than the guy that re, you know that he replaced. <laughs> and so he said, when Coach O'Brien came in, he said, I didn't have any qualms at all. I'm going, hey, dude's coming from the NFL, which is where I'm going eventually. He's going to have new ideas, and Coach is not going to put me in a bad spot. So, you know, I think it's been a little bit of an eye-opener for Bill going back to college. Um, and, you know, everybody says, hey, I learned a lot from Coach Saban. Well, <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter if you're in the NFL and been a head coach or been a uh, head coach at Penn State or wherever. Um, you still learn stuff. And I think, you know, anybody in any form of business, I think you can always get smarter or better. And I think it's been good for him uh, to come back to the college game. I don't know what the future holds for him if he stays there or if he gets, you know, one of the gigs that's open right now. But he's a hell of a coach, and he's doing a really good job with their offense. Well, if it, if it turns out that you cross paths with him to get ready for this, please give him my best. He's one of the great guys I've ever dealt with here. So, I will see him tomorrow, and I'll give him your best, buddy. Pl please do, because he's just one of the great guys ever. He, Colleen, great family. You're one of the best ever. Thanks so much, Brad, for your time. Really appreciate it very much, and uh, great call on Saturday. You got it, Steve. I'll talk to you soon, pal.